Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Actus Podcast, a bi-weekly program dedicated to bringing you closer to the difference makers in CDI and sharing the latest news relevant to the CDI profession and Actus. I'm Linnea Archibald, the Associate Editorial Director for Actus, and I'll be your host for today's show, which is part of our Leadership with Linnea series. In every episode of this series, I'll be joined by one guest from the Actus Leadership Council ranks or a contributor from one of our Actus publications to discuss a topic relevant to leaders in the industry, whether or not they currently hold a traditional management title. Today, we're going to discuss proactive CDI physician engagement. I'm joined by Anne Espinoza, RN, BSN, CCDS, CDIP. Anne is the Enterprise Director for the Clinical Documentation and Denials Management Team at Freydert and Medical College of Wisconsin. Anne joined the CDI team at Freydert Hospital in 2016 after working for many years as an ICU RN. She quickly fell in love with all things CDI. She progressed to the Freydert Hospital's CDI team leader, then the hospital CDI coordinator, then to CDI manager of the Enterprise Program. She holds a bachelor's degree in nursing and she will be completing her MBA with a focus on healthcare management in May 2022. She currently holds certification as a CCDS and a CDIP. Anne is a current member of the Actus CDI Leadership Council, and she is passionate about her teams and ensuring patient stays are accurately captured to impact all areas of healthcare. In her free time, she enjoys exploring outdoors on Wisconsin's waterways with her kids and family. Welcome to the show, Anne. Before we jump into our topic, a brief word about today's sponsor. Today's show is brought to you by 3M Health Information Systems. 3M Health Information Systems is committed to eliminating revenue cycle waste, creating time to care, and leading the shift from volume to value-based care through innovative software and services across the continuum of care. Get started today and improve your CDI team's impact on financial and quality metrics. Visit www.3m.com CDI for more information. And now back to the show. Well, thanks again for joining me today, Anne. I am really excited to sit down with you to discuss a topic that is just so central to the CDI process. Really, you can't get away from physician engagement. <laughs> Thank you for having me. Glad to have you. So as you may or may not know, Actus conducts a annual membership survey, and really without fail, every year our respondents tell us that physician engagement and education is one of their top three challenges. And then when you add in the effects of the pandemic and the associated remote work and burnout and things have just gotten a little bit dicey for most folks. So as we start our conversation, could you start by telling me a little about your current approach to physician engagement and education, how your approach has had to shift over those last couple years, and whether you're relying on any methods that you didn't find effective or maybe even necessary pre-2020? Sure. So I'd like to start off by saying I, I have amazing physician advisors. Uh, they are really engaged, active in our program, and I think that is uh, pivotal for our success um, as a team and an organization. Over the last couple of years, it, it has made the CDI program in general 
shift our approach, so to speak. We used to, pre-pandemic, um, I think like a lot of programs, were on-site. We were trying to approach physicians that we wanted to engage with during rounding, during lunches, after hours. And we thought we were <laughs> being helpful or... Um, what we didn't realize is the times that we were approaching them might not have been the best time for them. Obviously, everybody, I think, knows that. But you were limited in, you know, working set hours, hospital hours, business hours, and um, trying to fit in your schedule to talk to these providers. Uh, the one really good thing I think that the pandemic has done for us is make us rethink our work, make us shift into different approaches. So the remote capability, I was not a big fan of at first. And um, we had some trial and errors on many fronts, but physician engagement, I think, was really a good area that remote work has really helped us. What we've been able to do is partner with groups that we want to talk with, but at convenient times. When you're remote, if it's better to talk in the evening, when the audience is available and wanting to receive your message and hear what you have to say and actually be present for the conversation. Um, I think that's another really big shift that we've had. It's the remote work has allowed us to make sure we're present for the conversation that's conducive to the providers at the right time versus trying to hurry in and get your point across uh, in a rushed fashion when they're trying to do a couple other things uh, that are um, really imperative for the care right then and there. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's a really great way of looking at things. I think a lot of organizations kind of had the initial panic that maybe you had of the remote work. Hey, we're not going to be kind of in physicians' faces anymore. But ultimately, hopefully, it can actually be a great thing to have, like you said, level of flexibility. It's great. Very flexible, very, um, I think it's just increased our engagement. And other providers have now since reached out to us and um, want information, want this, um, that their work to, to really, to shine, to be the best that it can, because they know that they're taking care of the sickest patients and they want the best outcomes for their patients. And Unfortunately, if it's not documented correctly, it doesn't come out that way. Absolutely. If it's not documented, it didn't happen, right? <laughs> right. And I would say that our physician advisors are pivotal in sometimes striking up the conversations with groups where we might not have had success engaging with prior, but I cannot say enough how wonderful it is to have um, engaged providers to help us along the way. Absolutely. So sort of shifting gears a little bit, though it's certainly connected, as I think all of us know, our listeners, you and I, we know that CDI teams are pulled in what feels like about a million different directions these days. Um, often technology is sort of touted as a way to extend CDI's reach, increase impact, all of those great things without necessarily increasing your staffing 
model. So can you tell us a little bit about, are you using technology that you see as helping physician engagement or maybe even just freeing up CDI time by taking care of some of like the low hanging fruit opportunities that then would allow you to focus on education? And if you are using that, how have your physicians responded? Sure. First off, we, I would say we do a hybrid um, of, we definitely have technology that we, that we utilize to, I guess, like you mentioned, the low-hanging fruit that you can really hone in on the easy opportunities, the easy wins. Um, but then we sort of overlap that with what's going on in our organization. Um, and I think we do a really good job at Freighter to, of um, continually looking at our objectives. What are our goals and assuring that the workflows that the CDI team is doing on a daily basis is supporting those goals. And I would just like to say over the last couple of years, that has shifted dramatically. And that has been, um, I think, a challenge for CDI nurses when they're doing reviews to um, allow things to pass. Some, some things that, um, as you mentioned, there are so many things that a CDI team can go after. And what kept us successful as a team during the last couple of years has been really identifying what is our objective, how are we going to meet it? And sometimes that meant leaving things on the table um, for efficiency, lack of staff, as well as leveraging the technology to make sure that we are hitting the right charts at the right time. Um, so I would say it's a blend. It's always a work in progress, always shifting, and we are always looking to make sure that um, the goals we have set up are, are strategic to our objectives of our program. Absolutely. And it's, you know, I think some people hear about kind of more sophisticated technology and they get a little bit worried that it's kind of coming to take CDI's job. But ultimately, it's, you know, we often hear like computer assisted. It's not necessarily going to do your job for you. But in an ideal world, like you said, you can kind of partner with whatever solution you have in place to reach your goals more effectively and um, free up some of that time along the way. So I think that's, it's great. And I, I giggle at that concept of thinking, technology could replace CDI. Um, are there things that technology could aid this field in? Absolutely. But the technology components that we have looked at thus far, what it does is, again, there are so many targets that CDI can focus on. And if we can cross off some of those or check those boxes with technology, we can expand and move into those other areas that maybe technology hasn't met us there yet. Absolutely. It's all about uh, using your resources well, really, I think. It's, it's always a dance. <laughs> So we've sort of touched on this as we've been going along as well, but obviously engagement and education needs are always evolving depending on physician availability, CDI goals, global pandemics, all of those factors. And obviously your methods and your efforts often kind of need to evolve alongside those needs. So how do you handle rolling out a new physician education process or a program? And then do you require physicians to take certain education or meet certain maybe query response rates or anything like that? As far as rolling out the education and 
we try to tailor, we have some very set specific, um, what does CDI do? How can partnering with CDI help? Um, and then we get more in-depth um, depending, we sort of joke around that we have like an a la carte menu at Freighter um, that we introduce ourselves, we introduce what we can do, um, and then we sort of take a deeper dive into service lines. So the education can be developed for a multitude of really high level to very specific to that service line. Um, and depending on how globally it's affecting the organization, that or, that education can sometimes be required. Um, but for the most part, we have not found that we get really successful frontline provider buy-in um, by forcing the education. We, we've seen much better results when people want to partner with us and engage with us. We don't have set metrics requirements for our physicians. Um, what we like to do is really analyze, again, use the data um, and have that drive not only education, but other practice suggestions we can give to providers. Like maybe it's easier to look at their note templates, work with their NPs, their PAs, um, engage with those type of uh, frontline providers to we don't like seeing query rates. Our goal is to decrease the query rates with our education. So if we are um, including, including the right information to the providers, we're hoping that that carries forward in their documentation. Um, so sometimes when we're investing time in service lines and then we have um, completed that um, in-depth look for them, we'll go back periodically and just look at those metrics again and look at has the uh, query rate rebounded? Have they had a lot of new um, NPs join their team? Things like that, just to make sure that we're still on track. That's great. Yeah, I think um, a conversation we have a lot within the Leadership Council is the power of data. So that's, you know, it's not necessarily going to tell you the whole story, but it might point you in the right direction to do a little more digging. Um, So that's great. So we've sort of, I know you mentioned your physician advisor um, before, but we often hear that physicians kind of respond better to other physicians in more of a peer-to-peer conversation than they do to, say, a CDI professional or even like a CDI educator, someone in a specifically educational role. Has that been your experience? And then if so, how have you leveraged your physician advisors or even champions to further your message and mission? Sure. I would say we do leverage our physician advisors. We do leverage uh, physician champs when needed. The norm is that I don't have that. Um, And I do sit on the leadership council and I hear this and it's it's really disheartening to hear that people struggle with that. Um, It's like I mentioned, it's it's not the norm for providers not to engage with my team. Um, But when it does arise, what we typically do is have the physician advisors. I have multiple physician advisors and uh, we have multiple sites. So depending on um, what the need is, we usually strategically choose which provider would uh, be the best to tackle uh, the engagement or just strike up a conversation and then direct us if they are not the right person or um, the individual or uh, provider that they want us to be with, they sort of do an introduction and we figure out NP-wise, PA-wise, who can our team partner with to make this successful. And we and my physician advisors do a really great job of um, pointing that out, that if they want the change, 
There is no magic wand. <laughs> CDI cannot do a chart review and fix everything. There has to be that partnership, that buy-in, that engagement. Wouldn't that be great if there was a magic wand, though? You know, just absolutely fix it all in one <laughs> flick of the wrist. That'd be great. <laughs> So I know that your organization uh, has the added kind of difficulty of being a teaching organization, which of course throws a whole new wrench into your education and your engagement activities because you've got new residents coming in every year and they're rotating between service lines. That's chaotic. Um, do you have a system or a program to reach those new physicians with your message? And what has been your most effective approach when you're educating and communicating the residents? So the residents go through um, uh, orientation, community division type orientation, and we have partnered with that team to, to speak to them. So we try to get in front of them prospectively, but uh, the team jokes around when it's time for the residents to come in that our, our query rate's going to go up. And there, there is a slight correlation, um, and it's like anything. Sometimes we get the buy-in. Sometimes um, by that point in their orientation, they're sort of tuned out and really focused on patients, touching patients, taking care of patients. Um, so we try to, early on, let them know who we are, how to contact us, and then we usually do the really high-level, big, most common queries, uh, questions that we see from our residents to try to avoid that upfront. That's great. Yeah, I I know several of the folks I've talked to for journal journal articles and various other Actus projects. I know that like June, July, I just don't contact them because they're busy with their residents. <laughs> We sure are. It's fun though. It's really enjoyable. It's a really enjoyable time and they it's fun to see the new residents come in and um just so excited. And they're like sponges. They just want to learn everything and do the best that they can, like us. So um it's a really nice time. Yeah. And you're setting them up for future success wherever they land, I think, too, which is really invaluable to give them those tools, that exposure to CDI, some good documentation principles early in their career, because we know they're not really getting much of that in medical school. Um, so I think it's the work will hopefully be fruitful further into their career as well, even if it's a little bit tough on the front end. <laughs> Agree. Yes. So... Kind of zooming in on your perspective as a leader, obviously a big part of any CDI leader's job is to measure department success. And since physician engagement is so central to CDI efforts in general, how do you measure your success in there in that area? Do you have specific metrics that you're reviewing regularly to identify any issues that might be cropping up with engagement? And then if you do identify an issue with your data or maybe even just in conversation with your staff, how do you go about correcting that? Sure. Um, we do measure metrics, but um, our team, I think, is a little bit unique in there is not a one-size-fits-all uh, metric point for the team because we... Um, we have general reviewers, we have service line reviewers, and each service line is a little bit different. So some of them might not have as much financial opportunity and others might have um, 
less quality impact opportunity. Um, so we try to group the CDI data by service lines and similarities in service lines. Um, and then we also take that data twofold and present it to the service line leaders of the, the providers that are responsible for those areas, as I had mentioned. Um, and any feedback, my biggest go-to is transparency and then those objectives and how does that data mirror that? So if, um, if we have an objective and it's not being met, uh, I think data is a great way to show that and just being clear on what you need your team to do and how they should do it. Um, having defined goals and workflows for them, obviously they can vary. This is a very dynamic role that there is no one size fits all approach, but there's there are some things that we cannot forego. And I think just supporting um, the team, we frequently assess learning needs um, for a group dynamic. And we also then um, filter it down to the service lines and see uh, if there's small group or individual learning needs as well. And I guess support the data we find and the metrics we find with uh, education and just team building. Yeah, that's great. I think, again, something that comes up a lot with the Leadership Council is that clarity and being really clear in your communication, both with your team and also with the physicians as you educate them and uh, kind of relay your expectations is it's really important. And I often think about a phrase I hear thrown around a lot is clarity is kindness. Clarity is kindness. It's also um, just a smart move for your department <laughs> because yes, it's just going to make everybody's lives easier and give you some really clear delineation of what you're aiming for and whether or not you've achieved it. Um, so I think that's that's definitely central, <laughs> no matter what your metrics are. So as we kind of close out our conversation, I think everyone listening can probably tell a story about a particularly resistant physician that required some creative engagement and education techniques. So as we as we end our conversation, can you share a time where you had to get creative to win a physician over to CDI's cause? And then what advice would you give to those who are looking to engage their physicians meaningfully in the CDI process? When you ask that question, yeah, there's a couple scenarios that pop out in my head. I think every CDI um, has them. I would say, again, leveraging my physician advisors, I have had scenarios where you know, I've had physicians calling me like, I don't know what you're asking me or how to use this technology. Um, and I, I literally say, where are you? Like, where are you right now? And I've gone directly to them. That's been helpful. Um, and then we sort of have a little running joke. Um, we carry Kool-Aid packets. This is quite nerdy, but... <laughs> um, <laughs> When um, providers just really shun us for a while and, and just don't understand what we're doing. And when we finally like break that that knowledge base or gap there, we um, ask them if they want to drink the Kool-Aid. So we, we literally bring Kool-Aid around and that's sort of a really good icebreaker. And that's usually done by one of our physician advisors, not the CDI nurses. Um, 
but it's memorable as well. So there'll be times when I'll have somebody upset and they'll, they'll bring that up. Like you're the Kool-Aid people, right? <laughs> and we say, yes, we are. Um, we've also established a, a phone call line. We, we call it the bat phone. Um, so providers can give us a call and leveraging our technology again, we're able to screen share instantaneously with just about any provider to help them um, to see what they're seeing on their end to um, assure that they can navigate and answer the questions we need answered. That's great. I Talking to people about their creative physician engagement tactics is one of my favorite things because CDI professionals in general seem to be just very creative people and personable and you, you just never cease to amaze me at what the what you come up with to reach physicians. So thank you for sharing that. That was great. <laughs> so thank you again so much, Anne, for chatting with me today. This has been really such a helpful conversation and frankly, just a lot of fun. Unfortunately, we have run out of time for our discussion today. As always, if our audience has any questions about this topic, you can feel free to email the ACTUS team at actus-inquiries at simplifycompliance.com. We will also put that email address in today's show notes so that you can grab it from there and you don't have to try to catch what I just said out loud. Now it's time for the Actus Update, a regular segment featuring the latest news on what's going on inside the association. First, I'd like to take a moment to say thank you to all those who joined us in Florida last week for our 2022 Actus National Conference. It was just such a joy being with you all in person again, hearing from our wonderful speakers, interacting with our exhibitors, and networking with all of our CDI friends that we just don't get to see very often. I think I speak for the entire Actus team when I say thank you a million times over. It was a wonderful event, and I'm so glad that we got to share it with you all. Secondly, I want to call your attention to the newest edition of the CDI Journal, which was published on Sunday, May 1st. This edition focused on diversity and inclusion in CDI, and it really holds a wealth of information in its pages for those looking to make their department more welcoming and inclusive for all background types. The journal is available to all Actus members now on the website under the Publications tab, and it's also linked from the main homepage slider image when you first visit actus.org. Also, as a reminder, members can get one CCDS, CCDSO, CEU for reading the journal and taking the accompanying quiz. I really encourage you all to give this edition a read. It's an important topic, and we're just really excited to give it the spotlight. And even though we just published this new edition, we are already planning for the next one. The next edition, which will be our July-August edition, will be focused on clinical and coding topics relevant to CDI professionals. If you have a story idea or you would like to contribute an article, please feel free to reach out to me at larchibald at actus.org. We would love to get your insight for this next edition. 
That brings us to the end of today's Actus podcast episode. We'll be back in two weeks on Wednesday, May 27th for our next show featuring a conversation with our 2022 CDI Professional of the Year Actus Achievement Award winner. You can listen to the show anytime on the Actus website or via Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, or your favorite podcast app. All the links we discussed during today's episode will be available in the show notes. And as always, we'd appreciate if you would take a minute to leave us a five-star review on your podcast app to help others find our show. Our intro and outro music is Media Noche by Diyan Ki, and our ad music is Take Me Higher by Jazzar, both obtained from the Free Music Archive. If you have any suggestions for future guests or topics, please email us at actus-inquiries at simplifycompliance.com. Until next time, take care, everyone.